Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season three, we're talking all about travel jobs. Let's get started. Today, we are talking about being an au pair abroad, and it's a really interesting opportunity and conversation. So I'd like to introduce you to my guest today, Lou Colmenares. She was born and raised in Venezuela and is a Latina traveler, podcaster, speaker, psychology student that first immigrated to the U.S. in 2014 as an au pair. So it's a really interesting conversation. It's a really cool opportunity. She is also the host of the Solo Female Traveler podcast, which is a really great resource for all of you aspiring solo travelers out there. So definitely check that out as well. All her details are in the show notes. It's a great episode. Without further ado, here it is. Hello, and welcome back to the Travel Possibilities podcast. I have another awesome guest and another awesome travel job for you today. So Lou, thanks for being here. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. And thank you so much for having me on this awesome podcast. My name is Lou Colmenares. I am originally from Venezuela and I've been living in the United States for nine years now. And I immigrated here because I first came as an au pair. And that's what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) So perfect. So... Before you became an au pair, what were you doing in Venezuela? What was your life like? And how did this job come about? Sure, yeah. So <laughs> I was uh, I was very confused, first of all. I think I should have started saying that. <laughs> I, when I was back in Venezuela, I was first, I studied biochemistry for two years. And I realized that that wasn't my thing. So then I was studying hospitality because I wanted, I didn't know back then that I love travel so much, but I just knew that I wanted something that had to do, uh, had to do with people, dealing with people, customer service, and then the potential possibility of travel. Um, so then I started studying these. I was about one year and a half into the career and I had to do some internships. That's when I went to the capital of the country. I am originally from a, a small city in Venezuela and then I was going to college in a small city as well. So I had to do these internships and I went to the capital and I remember I was walking at a mall and I see a sign that says that says study and work in the United States. I didn't know what that meant, but I just knew that I wanted to do that. And that's how this idea came <laughs> came about. Okay, very cool. And were you always interested in going to the United States or did it sort of just hit you in that moment when you saw that sign? I I just knew that I wanted to leave the country. I, that's, I, I remember at some point I was dreaming about going to Australia and then I was dreaming about going to Europe. And then, yeah, this... This idea, I saw the United States and I was like, okay, well, maybe I can dream about the United States now. And it's a, it's it's a country that I was more familiar with because back back in my country, like we grew up with American shows, like we watch Friends and um, other shows that I don't remember right now, but I remember Friends a lot. <laughs> it's always Friends. Everyone always remembers watching Friends. It's so funny. It's a universal yeah. sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Cool. 
then what was next? How did you have to go about applying for the position and what were the requirements and walk us through that process? Sure. Yes, of course. So I saw that sign and I went in and I found more about it. Like wanted to know what it was. And they told me, well, you go, you got a single pair. A pair means that you go, you go there as a nanny and you, you exchange your childcare services for, for room, for, for the tickets to go there and then for pocket money to, to live there for a year. So the process of becoming an au pair, it seemed very difficult at the time for me because I didn't know English. So if you know some of the language of the country you're going to be traveled to, that you are like already 80% in. So the process, um, I can go into the specifics about the process right now. Sure. So there are several steps. So the first one is applying to the program. So you gotta go, you gotta apply to the program. You have to, depending on the, the country you are from. I was from Venezuela. I was coming to the the states, so I needed a visa. So I had to apply for the visa separately. And I, you have to find a host family. So when you first choose the program, you have to research a company that is good for you and the country that is good for you because there are usually the the countries that host these programs are countries with a strong economies. So it can be either Australia, New Zealand, Switzerland, many countries in Europe, and of course, the United States. And then when you find that company that works for you and the country that works for you as well, then you have to meet the requirements. Some of the requirements to become an au pair are that you need to be between 18 and 26. So some countries especially on some programs in Europe that accept au pairs that are over 30. But again, it all depends on the program and the country. And then you need to have childcare experience. I remember back then it was about six, you needed about 600 hours um, of childcare. So you, you got to make sure that if you don't have it, uh, but you're thinking about applying to this, you find it somehow. And you need to be proficient in the host country language. So in my case, it was English. I didn't know any English back then. So I had two months to become fluent to pass the interviews. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of hard work. I was studying English like seven hours a day just to be able to pass the interviews. Wow. Okay, actually, I want to talk more about that because I'm just fascinated. So what was your approach? Did you take... English classes? Did you study on your own? Do you have any tips for someone trying to learn a language quickly? Sure. I was taking an online course first, and then I was also watching YouTube videos in English, and I was just trying to expose to the language as much as I could. I would watch um, English shows. English shows. I I will watch shows from the United States in English with subtitles, and if there is any tip that I will give anyone is just try to get exposed to the language as much as you can. There are no shortcuts in this because you have to, at the end of the day, you are memorizing words and what they mean and what they mean from, from for other cultures. So there's no like learn English in a week. Like, no, you have to put in the word, you have to memorize it and you have to understand it. So um, yeah, get get exposed to it as much as you can because the amount of exposure you get will help on how how fast you learn it. And what did you find more challenging, being able to speak or being able to understand? Actually, speaking is the hardest part. Mm -hmm. So you, because it's the one where you are actively creating something, you know, because 
delivering something because when you are understanding, you are just listening. You're being passive. You know, you're just listening and trying to understand in your head. But then when you are speaking, you're delivering, you're creating something. So that's the most challenging part. Plus, when when you are speaking, um, depend on like how high your self-esteem is, <laughs> you you you're going to feel judged, you're going to feel stupid and like, oh, I didn't get the right verb. I, I get that a lot with people are learning Spanish. I'm like, just say it because don't get a, so caught up on the grammar because at the end of the day, what matters is that your message gets across. Exactly. Solid <laughs> advice. So <laughs> clearly you passed the interviews, yeah. but going into the interviews, how did you feel? Did you feel confident in your English or were you really nervous? No, I was very nervous uh, because I, 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 it was like this like dream, like, oh, I'm finally leaving my country. I'm finally going somewhere else. I'm finally travel. So I was very nervous and that didn't help when it came to do the interviews in English because when you get nervous, it's harder to speak a second language. So that, that was pretty difficult. And plus, I wasn't familiar with how the childcare is here in the United States because there's a big difference like in here in the United States the activities and everything you do around kids is more child oriented whereas back in Venezuela it's more community oriented it's like we all do everything together and the kid just follows along so I had to kind of like learn that as well (laughs) that's really interesting for sure because you're right (laughs) when (laughs) parents have children all of a sudden it's like kid focus you change your whole life a lot of times but that's very interesting to hear from different backgrounds Cool. And so you passed your interviews, then you needed to get matched with the host family. Was that the next step? And what was that process like? Yeah. So, well, so right, you apply, you have to get the visa, you have to also pass the language test and psychological test. I don't know if all companies do this, but the company I did it with, with, they make sure that I did a psychological test. It makes sense. And then after after I passed that, I got uh, I like they kind of like the way I see it is that they you create a profile and then your profile is visible for other other families to see it. And then from there, they can be like, oh, I, I kind of like like this nanny for our family. So let's have an interview with her. So you had the, a first interview. Then if both parties decide to move forward then you have a second and again if both parties decide to move forward you have a third after the third one you both have to make a decision and then from there actually from there after you get matches that you start doing the visa process so that that was a that, that was how i did it I, again i don't this this is subject to change depending on what country you're applying to and what country you're coming from of course Cool. And so did you have conversations with multiple families or did you end up just like one and done with one family? No, I have I have uh, three conversations. I remember it was a, a mom from Seattle, another family from Washington, D.C., uh, but this family spoke Spanish. So I was also like, uh, what's the point of going to the United States and not, ling- not, not speaking English? And then also there was a family from Los Angeles, which was uh, at the end the one I chose. Ah, great. Yeah. So you were in Los Angeles for one year? I was in Los Angeles for one year initially as uh, with, a, with a family. Okay, cool. And so what were your responsibilities? What was your day-to-day like being an au pair? And sure. Yeah, just let us know. <laughs> so 
my responsibilities back then were like to get re the kids ready for the school and then to when they came back because they went to a preschool all day so they went to daycare pretty much so they were there from 9 9 a.m to 5 p.m so get them ready and then when they came back get them ready to go to bed and you know eat dinner and get bathed and then on on the weekends, um, I will work 10 hours each day because as an au pair, you have to work a minimum of 30 hours and then a maximum of 45 hours. So, of course, the family was trying to get the the, the, mo the more hours that they could. Um, so, so, yeah, and that's also one of the reasons why families will choose au pairs because it's the flexibility of having that person at home. And second, the flexibility of choosing a schedule that works best for, for, for the parents. Mm -hmm. so you lived in their house so did they provide food as well yes okay. so yes so when for my program back there back then it was the the family provides the housing provides the insurance and also they give you um a five back then it was a 500 hundred dollar credit to go to to go to college and get some some uh credit classes and then also they give you uh, money. They pay you weekly. Back then I was getting paid 197 um, a week. So also when you when you are an au pair, don't think that you're going to become rich <laughs> from, <laughs> just from doing this because actually you just make enough money to 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 go by. And and one of the reasons why. The United States, it's one of the most popular countries among au pairs or potential au pairs is because it's the, the country where you make the most money and what you make is about $800 a month. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which <laughs> really is not very much, but at least you don't have to pay rent. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you can eat the food from the family's fridge. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so when the kids are at school and stuff, what did you do with that time? I mean, you're free to do whatever you want. Back then, I remember I used to, I used to live in Santa Monica in California. So I had a bike that the family borrowed me. So I would just bike to the beach or um, just watch TV <laughs> in English. Like, I didn't really do much. I could have done math, uh, more with my time. But what you do when the family or the kids are not around is up to you. Cool. And yeah. do you still keep in touch with the family today? I do actually, yes. I so after my my au pair program ended, I stayed in the United States, and I was actually a nanny for them uh, years later. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, what would you say the difference between an au pair and a nanny is? An au pair, you know, au pair means has a meaning in French where it means like being equal, right? Mm -hmm. So, so the idea is that when you're an au pair, you are quote-unquote part of the family so you are not a, a house worker so there's also like that distinction there and then also that you live with a family and and usually families that get au pairs is because they want their kids to get exposed to a different language or a different culture and they instead of paying you you know a monthly salary that will be more average um, compared to other house workers they pay they pay for your tickets to come here and they, you know, you live rent free and and also they help you with getting the visa. You have to pay for the visa, but but you know, at least the American embassy knows that hey, there's a like a, a company and there's just a family that will make sure that you don't do anything crazy over there. <laughs> 
Awesome. Wow, it's so cool. And so what was your favorite part about being an au pair? My favorite part was coming here and being with an American family that helped me with appointments, like getting my social security, getting my driver's license. And they were actually a really nice family. And 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 having, you know, the kids um, there that saw me as part of the family as well. So I think, yeah, the, the best part was that having a host family. And then also I was living on one of the most expensive areas in the United States for, for pretty much free. Um, so that also was a cool part. <laughs> Definitely. And what challenges did you face being an au pair for a year? Well, as I mentioned, there's like a different way of taking care of kids in the United States that is, is more child-focused. If you're playing with a kid, you're there playing with a kid and your main attention is on the kid. So I had to learn that because in Venezuela, I we don't really... This is going to sound terrible, but we don't really pay as much attention to kids. It's like the kid, you know, we know the kid is around and the kid is playing and we don't care if they if the kid eats dirt or does whatever. So we're not next to the kid all the time. So that was my main challenge because I didn't understand why I needed to be watching the kids all the time, even though that was my only job <laughs> to take care of them. <laughs> but just like doing the like shifting the gears in my head, like, okay, here is different. You have to do it the way it is here. That's why they hire you for. And then also the work ethic and the, in the sense of the punctuality, like I wasn't used to being so on time or being earlier. Or when, when the host dad told me things like, oh, we're living in three minutes. I was like, wait, three minutes. So <laughs> I didn't understand that. Um, and then also, again, I was homesick and, I was fluent in English, but it wasn't enough to explain my, myself or describe my feelings or describe what I was feeling well enough. So I remember I got homesick and I'm like, oh, I have like no one to talk about it with this, like no one that is close to me. And and the people I have, I, I cannot really, I, the people I have around me, I cannot really fully share my thoughts with them because I don't know how to. So that that was like one of the main challenges as well. That is challenging. And how did you end up dealing with those feelings? And I was just depressed for like two months and then I put over. I was like, okay, whatever. I have to move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is challenging. I'm glad it worked out that way. Like yeah. just that you're able to kind of get past it. Yeah. I, and and I, I know I sounded pretty dry, but Back then, I was like, I know I was feeling pretty sad because I was homesick and I didn't know if I could, I will be able to go back to my country, which I didn't. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to stay in the United States. So I, you know, I, I have a bigger problem now. So I don't have, and this is a very Hispanic way of thinking. Like, I don't have time to be depressed. Like, I don't have time to be for mental health problems. So I kind of like... <laughs> It's like, okay, I don't have time for this. Focus on the next thing. Focus on the solution. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So you didn't go back to Venezuela. You stayed in the United States. What was that process like? Like, did you have to change your visa over or what did you have to do to be able to stay? Well, I had to get married. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> yeah. So I had a boy. I was dating back there. So I met someone during my upper year. And then shortly after we were like, okay, if you if you have to leave, 
why don't we get married and you can stay? And it's like, okay, cool. And that's what we did. But still, that that was like, that was the next challenge. You know, it's not only, okay, I'm going to stay, but also I'm getting married and also dealing with USCIS and like the whole pa paperwork process and then waiting to get a status here. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a big challenge. And I know like my story, many others, I, I met many of pairs that also just, you know, it's like you're bringing a bunch of women to this country and it's inevitable that a percentage of them want to stay because, you know, they met someone and they're like, okay, we're staying. <laughs> Absolutely. It makes total sense because you're not going to stop living your life just because you're overseas, like away from your home country. So makes sense. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> if someone were interested in becoming an au pair and they felt uncertain about it or they weren't sure, what advice do you have for them? Of course. So the advice that I advice that I have for someone thinking about becoming an au pair is to first do your research and make sure that you are finding a reputable company and also do the work in getting familiar with the culture and getting familiar with the language of the country you're applying to. But I will say the the company one is the main tip, and and I was when I was uh, preparing for becoming an au pair, I remember I was looking in different blogs and 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 different reviews about the company I was applying to because also there was some stigma and uh, from the from my family and people around me like it's like okay you're going to the United States with a company and with this like all all sounded pretty shady to them so I was like okay I gotta find some information to back up my decision and and that's what not only is important to to back up your decision but also to know that you are not getting in any strange situation so do your research and go with the most reputable one really solid advice and do you have any advice on finding positions? On finding positions? Well, to find a position, first you have to make sure that you meet the requirements. Make mm -hmm. sure that you are between 18 and 26, because I know most companies, that's the main, for most companies, that is the main requirement. If you are over 26, keep looking. I know there are some companies out there that let you be an au pair even when you're 30. Um, so that will be the first one. Also, make sure that you have the childcare requirements because without that, you cannot really do anything. And 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 they 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 check that you actually have those requirements. So that will be the first one. And once you make sure that you have those and you found a reputable company, just apply. It's not really that difficult. You don't have to to sit down and like do a job hunting for thirty six hours. I know you you are an expert at that, but for <laughs> this is that you just you just apply to the company and then it's just dealing with the company and the families. Uh, but then once you do so and you are in the interview process, you have to make sure that you are likable to the families. I mean, just don't. Just so, for example, if you have any, uh, if you smoke or if you have any <laughs> drinking habits, just don't share that, of course. And 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 if you do that, make sure that you quit before moving to a different country to take care of kids, because that's a very big red flag. And then also make sure that during the interview, you yes, you you talk about yourself, but also you make you ask 
good questions to the family as well because it, it goes both ways you yeah you are going to be their au pair but they're going to be their host family so you have to make sure that you're choosing the right one um and then another one it will be um also to ask questions about you know what is the childcare style that they prefer what is their parenting style because and I'm telling you, it was so difficult for me to understand how how Americans take care of their kids here. It's just like, oh, okay. So I had to relearn everything again. <laughs> That's so funny. And like, definitely coming from an American mindset, like I would not have considered that at all. So I'm glad you brought that up and talked about that perspective. <laughs> and with the childcare requirements, you had mentioned 600 hours. Like, how do they go about measuring that well that you have to provide references something they call the references that pretty much it got it cool and do you know if it's typical i know like a lot of au pairs come to the united states do you know if americans go abroad to be au pairs yeah they do um i have some friends that that i that i met that they've gone as a, as a, an au pair to italy to spain so usually american Americans that want to be au pairs, they usually go to Europe or to learn a different language and get exposed to the European culture. Some of them go to Australia. So yeah, it all it all depends. But yeah, most of the ones I have met that were born here ended up being au pairs in, in Europe. Very cool. So it's a really good opportunity to sort of just live in a new country. And it it definitely is. It definitely is. And it is very cost effective because you the only money that is coming out of your pocket is is the visa because and it depends I cannot give you a price for the visa because it all depends on where well again where, where are you applying to go and what what country you're coming from and all that but I remember back then for me um it was three hundred dollars that it was affordable for me to do it and then of course if you're coming if you're applying from the United States, just make sure also that you have some savings and that you go there with some savings because you don't know if every, maybe everything looks great on the interview and you both love each other during the interview, but then living with the host families and the kids is a different story. So if you get into an uncomfortable situation or you just realize that this opportunity is not for you, you want to have enough money to be able to walk away from it. And who knows, maybe if you're in Europe, you can do a Euro trip on the way back. So. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And that's a great point. Like, yes, you're committing to a family, but like any job, it's not permanent. You know, if it's not working out, it's not working out and you don't have to stay. Exactly. Very cool. And so having lived or like coming to the United States, is that what sparked your interest in travel? Can you talk more about your travels and what you're up to nowadays? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely coming to the United States was what sparked that before. It was because I didn't have the financial resources to do so. Coming from, you know, a small city in a country that doesn't have a strong economy, it was very difficult for me just to go anywhere. So I came to the United States. The dollars can go a long way. So I was like, okay, so now maybe we can just start traveling. I, I started traveling around California then. Uh, the western part of the United States, and that's when I branched out to 
to different countries. Um, like I first started, you know, what I was more familiar with that was Latin America and, and Mexico. I used to cross the border from <laughs> from California to <laughs> to Mexico all the time. Tijuana is one of my favorite places. And um, and then, you know, I started traveling to other parts in the world. And I remember when I was in Southeast Asia, I I was traveling around there for about two months. And I noticed that most of the time I was the only woman from the American continent that was traveling alone. I I I didn't see any woman born in the United States or any woman from Latin America or Canada. So I was like, okay, what is going on here? And that idea, that idea stayed in my mind until um, during the pandemic in 2020 that, you know, we were all, all in isolation and we were we all had a lot of free time. I was like, oh, why don't do I start a podcast about solo female travelers? Because maybe I didn't see that many women because they don't have enough role models or because they don't have information or they just haven't heard a story that inspires them. So that's why I started my podcast that is called The Solo Female Traveler. Love it. And so like what a good point you do meet solo female travelers on the road a lot of them are european or australian and it really is less common on the american continents it is yeah it is but you know i i don't know i i know you have been around a lot as well and i don't know what your opinion might be but my opinion is that first you know the the, the financial resources play a, a big role and then also the priorities because different cultures have different priorities. Something that I noticed here in the United States is that the priority is more towards your professional life, that you ha- you want to grow in your career, you want to, um, how is that you guys call it? The Climb the corporate ladder. Climb the corporate ladder, yeah. And whereas, at least in, in Venezuela, the priority is more towards family and community. So that and, you know, I'm, I'm here and talking about the priorities, but there's also the, there's the other side, which are the challenges as well, that I, I am still figure, figuring that part out. <laughs> what are the exact challenges of each of these societies? Totally. Yeah, I definitely think like in the United States in particular, professional, your, your career trumps everything. And it's so crazy because it's just a job. Is that what you want to define your whole life and your whole identity? Like, I don't know. For me nowadays, my whole personality is travel. And I definitely prefer that to when my whole personality was my job. (laughs) But yeah, but again, if you are in a place where everyone has the same priorities and everyone thinks the same, you're like, okay, maybe it's not so bad that my entire personality is work. Totally. And it's (laughs) very confusing. Like when you sort of feel like, but I don't want it to be like this. And then you try to break free, but you're still surrounded by everybody else who thinks one way and you are this odd man out. And that's why it's so important to have podcasts like yours to be able to hear voices of people who think like you do. Yeah, no, no, thank you so much. And that's also why it is important to travel and to travel solo, because then you are surrounded by the, all the people that uh, things differently and by different way of doing things. And you're like, hmm, maybe do the things that I do back home work really that well for me. So then you start questioning about your day to day. Yeah, life is like so much more exciting when you just keep an open mind. Like, oh, maybe this isn't the only way to do things. Exactly. Amazing. So Lou, thank you so much for being here. If people want to learn more about you and your podcast and everything you're up to, where can they find you online? 
Of course, yeah. So you guys can find me on my Instagram. It's called the Solo Female Traveler Podcast. My podcast is called the Solo Female Traveler. You can find it on all platforms. And then my website is lucolmenares.com. Perfect. And it's all linked in the show notes too. So you can just click. And before we go, do you have any last little tidbit you would like to add to close out on piece of advice, inspirational words of wisdom? Sure. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this podcast is because you want to do something different than what you're used to. So my advice would be just to go for it because when you set it as a priority, I don't know how it works, but you will start finding opportunities and ways to do things. And Kali is really good at showing you ways where you can become a digital nomad and then travel the world and while having an income. Amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Everyone else, I will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Wait, before you go, if you are here because you are exploring your travel options, I am excited to share with you that I've just revamped my free offerings to help you on your journey. Whether you need help budgeting for a career break, saving money for a trip, or learning how to effectively apply for a remote job, I've got you. Visit the link in the show notes or go directly to www.travelshifters.com freebies to download what you need. And don't hesitate to let me know what you think. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at the Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.